Hey y'all, welcome back. Episode 2. This is Carter. This is Eloa. And Erin. And this is the I... Wait. This is I Ain't a Killer Podcast. I I was about to say, this is the I Ain't a Killer Podcast. Episode Dos. Yes. Thank you for joining us again. If everything goes as planned, we should have this episode up at the same time as we drop episode one. Yes. But usually we'll do a weekly episode every Monday. Mm-hmm. Every Monday we'll record on Sundays, but it'll be up and available the following Monday. All right. Are we ready to get started with um, current and crime? Yes, I am. Finally. (laughs) Because my computer is from 1985. Uh You know, like, sometimes you read headlines and it's like, what is going on? (laughs) So, there's a vigilante in Little Rock named Shadow Vision. And he is, he wants to send out a warning to a serial killer or a suspected serial killer in Little Rock, Arkansas. And he says, I am hunting you right now. We definitely got to drop this picture on, like, social media because, like... This looks like some vision, like cyborg, like smoke kind of. <laughs> so he has an outfit. I'm impressed. Like, I wonder if he'd be at the cosplay doing this. Is like, it made out of Kevlar? Like, I need to know. Exactly. Is it? And then it's like, I don't know. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting slight like BDSM vibes too. Like, it's just, uh, it's just all over the place. But anyway, let me shut up. I'm gonna read the article. This from Crime News by Gina Tron and. Um, it says a self-professed superhero who calls himself Shadow Vision has been patrolling the capital of Arkansas, vowing to hunt down an apparent serial killer in the area. On Thursday, he told a follower on his Facebook page that he was in Little Rock this week, quote unquote, hunting the serial killer. <laughs> I know that the serial stabber is keeping an eye on my page here, Shadow Vision wrote on his Facebook in May. So this is a threat to you. When I find you, I will show you what I do to serial killers. I am hunting you right now. Uh, it says there have been four knife attacks, three of which were fatal in Little Rock since August 2020. Yikes. And investigators believe they are connected, according to the Arkansas Times. The victims of the stabbings appear to be chosen at random and the attacks have been brutal. Surviving victim Deborah Walker, 40, 43, was stabbed 15 times. Oh, my God. Yeah, like wait, surviving? Yeah, she saw she survived. That's what I said. Fifteen times. I wouldn't. I mean, I'm not even trying to be funny, but like one time, it's just like that's enough. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's enough. That's like enough to like get people about here. And like fifteen times, I like. Um, I hope she's okay, like mentally, because that's that's terrifying. Um, Larry McChristensen, sixty-four. Jeff Welsh, sixty-two. And an unidentified man known as Old School uh, did not survive the attacks. Mm -hmm. Shadow Vision, whose real identity remains a mystery somehow in 2021. He has a Facebook. Because he has a Facebook. Y'all can't check his IP address. They're just humoring him at this point. He went for the government, y'all. They bankrolled him. And the police are like, this is cute. And they're giving people hope. So we're not going to like... 
Right. Take this super seriously. <laughs> Whoever it is, they're not like regular. They don't like work at Home Depot. Like that, that might that uh, that outfit is. So, oh, you're saying like so they busy. have some type <laughs> of mean, skills. Some nerds have like really really intricate cosplay. That's so, true. I mean, if he designed his own costume and like put it together. It doesn't mean he's not somewhere, I don't know, like making milkshakes too. <laughs> not making milkshakes. I want to know his dimensions as well because I feel like in order to even be some sort of intimidating in an outfit like that, one, you at least got to be like tall or some sort of like, like unnecessarily fit or something. Yeah. Like, I want to interview him. Like, I'm going to reach out. <laughs> reach out to us um shadow shadow, shadow vision, vision. Yeah, we, won't, we won't reveal your identity we promise we don't we don't fuck with the police and we don't <laughs> fuck with the justice system so we're not gonna be like oh i know who he is yes like, that would be you. dope we should look on their on their facebook yes we should definitely we should definitely look on their facebook we we'll, we'll keep you up to date on his facebook or like <laughs> what's going on with shadow vision because i'm interested now um he says i am shadow vision a real life superhero his facebook bio states I protect the innocent at whatever cost. I would sacrifice my own life to save an innocent life. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, just, wow. Um, the supposed vigilante claims to have exterminated, quote unquote, uh, two other serial killers years ago. Oh, what? Um, we, so we, like, once again, we would definitely turn you in because you. It I was murder. not even taking this seriously. <laughs> exterminated. <laughs> According to the Arkansas Times, though that information has not been verified, he told Oxygen.com via email on Friday. Again. Oxygen.com. Have y'all seen Kick-Ass? Yes, I love yes. that. My space setup. Yes. Yeah, so I know Alex Johnson is fine as shit. Like, that's my <laughs> brand of white man. Like, uh, anyway. We can talk about that wow. off, off air. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he told Oxygen.com via email on Friday that one of the quote-unquote exterminated killers was in North Carolina, while the other was in Arkansas back in the 1990s. So he was old enough to kill somebody in the 1990s, yes, and we're well, we're at least like 20, in the middle of 20s, maybe 30 years past this. So, so he, he must... Be, 20 then he was yeah be in his late 40s 50s yeah and he still feels he's got the the skills and the and the fitness to to be okay down. let's see what you got shadow vision <laughs> or maybe these serial killers were bonus we need you in the a. <laughs> um and i also love hunting high-ranking gang members who hold on I have questions because some gang members take better care of the community than the the supposed authorities. It's giving white. I'm sorry, it's giving white. Uh, And it's definitely probably giving like. I mean, anyone who has the privilege to walk around and be a vigilante visibly on Facebook and emailing news sources. That's what I'm saying, emailing people. Yeah, they definitely. Well, well, at least they're not black. Well, I'm not going to take their identity away from them like that, but they're not black. Um. Come on, Shadow Vision, really? I feel like if a black person could name themselves, they're not going to name themselves a black... You know what I mean? Like, a black person's not going to name themselves, like, Black Lightning, Black Panther. Yeah. There's always, like, this electricity powers for superheroes, and it's always, like, uh, Black Noir. You know, like, on the... What is it? The Boys or something like that? Whenever somebody's black, it's always, like, Noir, Black. (laughs) 
Yeah. I didn't realize that character was supposed to be black. Like as you're saying that, I'm like, damn, where was that person black? I think he's. I think he was. I think they made yeah, it a point to also point out that he had a peanut allergy, which is like, come on now. Like, I'm not saying niggas don't have allergies. Come on, I'm done. Please, what else does this article say? <laughs> okay, wait a minute. The reason I showed up in Little Rock, uh, Arkansas, years ago is because the city needed help. He said over mail. The other reason that I have also revealed myself to Arkansas and the world 11 months ago is that I got tired of turning on the TV and all I hear is uh, people losing hope. So I wanted to show them that they got something fighting. They, they got someone fighting for them out there. Give the people hope again. Um, the vigilante typically wears a steel helmet, bulletproof chest, back plates, shoulder pads, fanged arm cuffs handcuffs to still I don't know how to say S-A-I-S strapped to their thighs says oh, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I'll look it up later um, but I spelled it out so if you know how to say it shoot us a shoot us a deal <laughs> and uh, two katanas he dresses in all black and when asked on his Facebook page he said it takes him about 20 minutes to get all suited up this Facebook page I'm sorry. is sending me. Yeah, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm lit by this. Um, shadow vision. Talk to the people. So what? I said, we love humility. Talk to the people. <laughs> right. Um, shadow vision told oxygen.com that he feels he's quote unquote getting close to catching the serial killer. In fact, he claims he already has his name. I am coming for you. He said when asked if He'd like to deliver a message to the serial killer. I also want a one-on-one fight with you. Not shoot the one. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, now, this is... Okay, cool. He's been attracting more attention recently after a popular TikTok video was posted about him last week. Mm. I cannot with this stupid city, the TikToker wrote, stating that first her city has a serial killer and now a super t- he- superhero to protect them she included footage of the vigilante uh the vigilante strolling the streets uh, um I mean, yeah, it's kinda lit. yeah i wouldn't weird. say that's a stupid city no i, I think that's kind of cool yeah it's, 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 it's nice that he cares it's interesting i just i need to know his politics yeah and it's yeah i definitely need to know because it's all over the place for me yeah. and that's also something I, and i'm real particular um while I'm scrolling for this, I definitely want to apologize to any um, non-white people who have peanut allergies. Please don't come for me. I was just trying to be funny. I don't know anything. But, um, he said, uh, when he said why he revealed himself, it was very close. Uh, he said, the other reason I revealed myself um, was because I got tired of seeing people losing hope. And then he said, so I wanted to show them that they got someone fighting for them out there. That's very, I don't know. I mean, I know it's Arkansas, but that's very, very like specific as far as like when it comes to like how people talk. I don't know. I'm gonna hold on to that. Mm-hmm. That they got somebody. That they got someone fighting out there. I don't know. Because wow. normally, if especially if somebody's super proper too, they would say that I want them to know they have someone fighting for them. But mm-hmm. the got part is definitely much like very southern. But he's also from Arkansas, which is like. I don't know. Could be kind of country or way around. Yeah. Well, but yeah, that super is super interesting. Shadow, Shadow Vision. vision. Um, <laughs> hit us up. We're definitely interested. hit us up, Mister Vision. Um, <laughs> we like won't I said, reveal. if you re- if you you know shoot us a email or whatever, we will not reveal. You know, IP addresses. <laughs> intimate details. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and if anyone listening is from Arkansas, 
and has seen Shadow Vision, please let please us know. Oh my god! Yes. I need oh my god, to yes. see pictures, videos, anything. I'm going to be googling this all night. Please, yes. I need it. I need it in my life. <laughs> Shoot it straight into my veins. All right. Interesting. <laughs> um, I guess that's what's current in crime. Maybe it's what's current in heroism. <laughs> yeah. Current and anti crime. Right. All right, y'all. We'll be right back after we pay some bills. Are you a huge cunt? Us too. Wait, can we even say cunt? Of course. It's empowering these days. Cunt, 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 cunt. I'm Ange Ballastone, a.k.a. the drag queen, Fat Girl Gina. And I'm Mike Fails, just a normal gay guy, I guess? And we're the hosts of The Big Cunty Couch, a gorgeous new talk show podcast where we invite queers and peers to sit, bitch, and be fierce on a huge-ass couch while we gab about all things gay. So come get cozy and cunty with us. We're pan for platforms, so find us anywhere online and get listening, sweetie. Or watching. Or both. Otherwise, why the hell am I in full drag? And we'll see you on The Big Cunty... Oh, wait. I thought we were going to say that together. No. (laughs) On the big cutty couch. Oh yes, I would stand a super or an anti-hero. Like I love like Harley Quinn, Deadpool vibes. Like Mm, I don't need you to be a do-better. Like you know, trying to abide by the 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 powers that be. Yeah. But you know, just follow your own your own conscience and. I wonder how they feel. That's why I really want to like them to shoot us an email or talk to us because. In order for you to go out of your way, first of all, that early in the 90s, you have to really like, you're either super pro-police and you want to help them, mm-hmm. or you're super anti and you're like, no, fuck them. They're not doing a good job. I yeah. need to get out here in yeah. these streets. That's, That's true. We, we're going to go on his Facebook. Because I'm sure, yeah, we'll do some research. Because I'm sure there's going to there's gonna be more information. Yeah. yeah. He sounds very talkative. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. Now he's out there in the public eye. He's like, I got things to say. Yeah. I need to know more about these two exterminated serial killers as well. Right. Not exterminated. Yeah. Like they're roaches. <laughs> I feel like there would be evidence of that. But the high ranking gang right. members, I was like, oops, ouch. I don't know. Uh, y'all are killing niggas? No, hold on. You right. could have just tied him up real quick, asked him some questions. Like, Is you giving Hawkeye when he went. Oh my God. When he went to Japan? Listen. Yeah, he's killing people of color That's all right. around the globe. He said, I'm mad. You know what I'm going to do? Kill some folks of color. Right. Not the KKK. Right. Not the not the neo-Nazis. Right. He was like, nah, I gotta kill some some people who look what, different from me. Like, what people have gangs too? I don't know. I'm interested to learn more. So yeah, we'll me see. Too. Cool. All right, y'all. Um we'll be right back. Yeah. See you in a little while. Okay, welcome back. We're um, ready to get started on the main event. Carter's going to be our lead investigator for today. So um, go ahead, Carter. Yes. Okay, cool. I'm the lead investigator. My name is Carter. And this story is about Catherine Knight. All right, Catherine Knight. Yes. So if you're super involved in true crime, you may have heard this story on other podcasts. It's, I would say it's moderately well-known. Um, I will say it's interesting. It's not super, super well known in Australia, which is where it happened, because the outcome of this case or the the climax of this case, people felt that it was so gruesome that journalists and things like that came to like a kind of a mutual decision that they didn't want to feature or glorify or romanticize 
any of any parts of this. That's how bad it was. Which also good on them for like, I don't know, taking a stand like as journalists to like I don't know, include information about like people who who are doing terrible things but not wanting to like what's the word? Like exploit that mm-hmm. terrible situation just to sell newspapers. Yeah. Right. And like here where the media will take it and just shove it in your face every second they can to get clicks. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Content warnings. Um, like I said, it's going to be pretty gory at some point. There will be mentions of cannibalism, conversations about mental health, rape, animal, and child abuse. Um, it's a wild ride. So. Yeah, I was just saying, sound like a roller coaster. Yeah, definitely get ready. I'm strapped in. I'm strapped in. All right. So, uh, Catherine Mary Knight was born October 24th, 1955. She was a Scorpio, Mm -hmm. um, which is not hard for me to believe at all. No shade, Scorpios. I love y'all. Y'all are a good time. Um, Under the right circumstances. She had all the wrong circumstances. So we'll start with that. Um, Her parents' names were Barbara Rohan, I believe it's pronounced. It's R-O-U-G-H-A-N. Rowan? Maybe just Rowan. Maybe I don't pronounce the H. Yeah. I'm going to say Rowan. I'm just going to go with that. And Ken Knight. Um, like I said, the story takes, takes place in Australia. Um, and it was a little chaotic from the jump. So Catherine's mom, Barbara, was originally from Aberdeen in New South Wales's Hunter Valley. And she was married or in a long-term relationship with her first partner, Jack, who shared, or that's where she got the last name, Rowan. And she had already had four kids with him when she began her affair with Ken Knight, one of his co-workers. So when they started their affair, she left two of the children with Jack and then sent two, the two others to live with their aunt in Sydney, which I always think it's super weird when people split up kids yeah. after a breakup. But I'm wondering why they didn't at least just keep all four of them together. I couldn't really find an answer for that question. Um, I do know that both of the families were really well known in their small town and it was conservative and rural. So like when the affair became known, it was a huge scandal, pretty embarrassing for all the parties involved. Um, but so I guess that led to them like ultimately splitting up and moving elsewhere. Um, so Catherine was the daughter of Ken, the new partner, and she's also a twin. She's the younger of two twins. Um, I love twins. Yes, twins are super interesting. Until you think about it too hard, then it's kind of freaky. And her twin sister was one of the few people she was ever close with, um, except for her uncle, whose name was Jack. But he died in 1959. Um, I mean, sorry, Jack was the dad. The uncle's name was Oscar. He died in 1969. My bad. Um, but Catherine maintained maintains she's still alive. Um, that his ghost still visits with her, which I think is really interesting. I mean, who's to say he doesn't? But, um, yeah, who knows? Um, so Barbara's first partner, Jack, does die in 1959, which I just mixed up him and the uncle. Mm -hmm. And the two children that had been living with him moved into the Knight family home. So she still has her two kids that live with the aunt in Sydney, but her other two kids are now living with her and her twins, Catherine and Joy, which were the twins' names. Her childhood was pretty ridiculous. Um, Catherine's father, Ken, was really violent and abusive. He was an alcoholic. He would beat the shit out of their mom, like, Mm -hmm. on a regular basis in front of the kids. 
and also rape her up to 10 times a day. Ooh. What? Yeah. Whoa. And oh, I heard on one podcast that he would also do that in front of the kids. I didn't oh. see that in the information I saw online. Oh, fuck so I'm no. I'm not sure. Get this but, nigga out of here. Right. It's quite possible that that happened. Either way, Barbara would tell the children all about their sexual relationship, even when they were children, and just like discuss at length her disdain for men and sex in general, um, which is definitely... <laughs> Very poor boundaries with your mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. Um, Catherine also noted that she was sexually abused by family members, not her dad. They like distinctly said that, but didn't name who she was sexually abused by. And that continued until she was 11 years old. Um, there were some doubts about these accusations, but they were confirmed by other family members. So it happened. Um, in high school, her and her sister were both kind of seen as like bullies. Um, they fought each other a lot in school, but if anybody is like, I can talk shit about my sister, but you can't talk shit about my sister. So if somebody came at one of them separately, the other twin would like jump in and help to defend the other sibling. Um, I resonate with that. (laughs) Right. I mean, hard saying. Like, I love my sister so much, but we do fight a lot. But if anybody ever, then I'm definitely going to pull up. Um, But then on the flip side, they were also like, they had like a, it was kind of described like Jekyll and Hyde kind of a situation. Like sometimes they were extremely well behaved and then other times they were just complete terrors, basically. Um, she left school at the age of 15 and didn't know how to read or write. Oh. Yeah. But apparently this wasn't out of the ordinary for the area that they lived in. Um, there was a huge like meat factory industry in their small town. And like basically the kids were just bought in time in school until they could leave to go start working. Mm-hmm. Um so that's what she did. Um, she started out at a clothing factory as a cutter, which I'm assuming just means she cut fabric and garments. Mm-hmm. But later she got her quote unquote dream job of cutting, I think it's pronounced awful. It's like in a meat factory, like dealing with like cutting out all the innards and guts and stuff like that. Dream like, job? No, I was going to say, right. like, that's like, that sounds like while like, you were awake. I mean, to each his own, but. Interesting yeah, choice. I, mean, I guess. Words. I guess. What whatever your dream job would be would depend on how you're socialized. Like, That's if you're true. socialized to think that like it's either this or go work in the, you know, clothing or meat factory or whatever, then yeah, that probably would be like the sky for you. Yeah. Right. I but mean, it's a no for me. It's, yeah, it's a hard, <laughs> it's a hard, hard no, no for me so as well. Um, but yeah, she described in her own words that it was her dream job. Um. Not too long after she was promoted to boning, which, you know, I didn't want to do a whole lot of research around what these jobs were, because I was honestly just a little turned off by it in general, but um, I'm sure a quick Google will answer that for you. I'm just letting my imagination take me there, and that's as far as I want to go, so. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'll just assume it's taking the bones out. Boom. Yeah, right? Good enough. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has to involve something along those lines, because... With that promotion, she was given her own personal set of butcher knives, so she hung over her bed so they'd always be handy if she needed them, Whoa. which she did, like, for the rest of her life until she, you know, mm-hmm. until the culmination of the story. We'll find out where she ends up, but yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, but she really loved her job, um, was borderline obsessed with it, um, you know, and we all have our quirks, but one of the things that she did the past the time was to go over to where the pigs were being slaughtered and watch them have their throats slit, you know. <laughs> Just simple things. That's probably why it was her dream job. She wanted to fucking slash, slash somebody's throat. And that would teach her how. Listen. 
Oh, when I read this, I was like, "What? This is this is how you pass the time? Like over on your lunch break, you just went over and watched the cookies die? Like, oh, nah, that's a I lot." Um, I will say, and I want to note this, and I didn't really know where to note it in the story. She at one some point or another is diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you'll hear if you listen to other podcasts or read any articles about the story that that'll be named. Um, I want to super, super uplift that having a mental illness does not predispose you to being violent or mm-hmm. cause people to be violent in any type of way. But I will say that it does help me better understand some of the more um, maybe manipulative tendencies that she leaned into as a means to control people around her. Mm-hmm. So as we're getting into her adult life, I feel like it is relevant to know that piece. Okay. Um, so the first person that she dates very seriously, his name is David Kellett. David Stanford Kellett. And he was said to be a fun, chill guy. Um, they met at a job in the meat factory. Um, he was said to, to drink a little too much sometimes, but who doesn't at this point in time? Um, he would get into fights, but overall he was generally well-liked by the people who knew him. Um, they met in 1973, and by this time, Catherine was known in the neighborhood or in the community or in the town for having those hands, because if <laughs> David got in a fight, she would pull up and literally help him beat them up. Um, she would also get in fights on her own, and, and people just didn't mess with her. Supposedly, she was a really, really, really big woman, like, like sturdily built, tall, mm-hmm. like, strong, um, intimidating person, because... She got into a lot of physical altercations, and they didn't make it sound like she was losing any of them. (laughs) Um, So she was the aggressor in their relationship. She ran the show. Um, When they decided to get married, it wasn't a decision that they both made. It was a decision she made. Um, And when they went to the altar, the service, whatever, they pulled up on her motorcycle. She just had him in tow, and he was completely trashed. I don't know if they were, it was like he was trash because he was celebrating or if like he had to be trash to marry her. I don't know. But once they got there, Barbara, Catherine's mom, said to David, and this is a direct quote from him. The old girl said to me to watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother taught me. Right. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. And then she went on to say, She's got a screw loose or something. Yeah. So that was um, advice from his mother-in-law on his wedding day. Okay. And so then, that's like red flag number one. Like, Is it number one? I feel like is it, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that she just woke up one morning and told this man, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to marry me. And ain't no if ands or buts about it. And <laughs> then, however, whatever happened before they got to the ceremony, I mean, I would know. relocate, like for real, for real. Listen, but this is a major red flag. Like, if your mom is telling me that you'll kill me, and she's being dead ass serious, I'm I'm running. Like, yeah. I'm I'm leaving. I'm leaving the state. I'm leaving the, the country if Far necessary. Away. Like, I gotta go. Um, <laughs> and he should have because on their wedding night. He woke up to being strangled by Catherine. Uh, I, I want that night. That <laughs> listen <laughs> that night, and it was because he fell asleep after only having sex with her three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking god! Apparently that wasn't enough. Yikes! Right. 
Oh no. I just have way too many fucking questions. It is strangled on his wedding night. Bitch, imagine if he couldn't get it up, bitch. Oh my fucking god. She would have killed him right there. She would have killed him on the spot. That is so fucked. Three times and you're strangling? Not in a sexual way? You still got the energy to strangle somebody? Right. <laughs> oh, she got the energy. She must not have came. Like, that must have been, like, bitch ain't got no type of sense anyway, killing somebody on their fucking wedding night. But, like, girl, <laughs> it's not that serious. See, it was that deep to her. And apparently the violence only escalated from there. So he stayed after that. He was just like, oh, that's just my honey there. I don't know. Oh, I feel bad. She'll be all right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she gonna fuck so, you up like. the marriage is extremely violent with Catherine continuing to be the aggressor I actually think I heard somewhere that he never retaliated or put his hands on her even in self defense oh, I feel terrible Yeah. Uh, one night David was like you know I'm gonna get up with my boys I'm gonna go to the pub there's a darts competition I'm all about that darts life and apparently the competition went long mm-hmm. um, but Catherine had already told him you know have that ass at home when it's time to be at home and she called to the pub when the pub was supposedly closing. And he was like, oh, like, well, the, the game's still going on, but I'll be home soon. At the time, she's, like, super pregnant. David didn't get home soon enough for her liking. So she burnt all his clothes up and smacked him across the back of the head with a frying pan. <gasps> oh, my God. Yes. And what year was it? Whoa. That is a good question. I think it's in their first year of marriage, so it still should be 1974, if not 1975. I was going to say, that frying pan was real. Like, yeah. that ain't that fake shit. Oh, yeah, really no. Like... It, was that, it was a, oh, it was fuck a no. really, really strong frying pan. And this we know because he was so fearful for his own life that he fled the house, went to the neighbors, and collapsed. He was hospitalized with a severe skull fracture. Whoa. It was probably so like a cast shit Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, oh, and at least wanted to press charges against Catherine, but abuse situations like this when it's like the woman who's the aggressor is so wild to me it is wild and i think it definitely plays into her ability to get away with some of these yeah, things i think so too um which you don't get to say that kind of thing often but mm-hmm. i'm sure her being a woman helped her evade all kinds of consequences over time mm-hmm. um so in may of 1976 not long after having her first daughter melissa David was like, I'm over it. Like, you keep hitting me. I'm trying to get inspect around. And he met another woman and left Catherine for her and moved to another town. It was called Queensland. I'm okay. not sure how far it is from where she lives or is living at the time. But the day after that happened, Catherine was witness pushing Melissa's stroller through town, but, like, super violently, like, rocking it side to side oh, no. and, like, running into, like, poles or like sides of buildings and stuff oh as she's not the baby along. yeah um somebody witnessed it she was uh, admitted into saint almost hospital in tamworth where she was diagnosed with postpartum depression which is real mm-hmm. um and she spent several weeks in treatment so when she got out of the hospital you know 
I don't know what this treatment looked like, but I guess it didn't work because she took the two-month-old baby and left her on an active train track <gasps> shortly before a train was due. Oh, no. And don't then she proceeded it. to go into town, steal an axe, and threaten to kill several people. So she's just like, I'm going to leave my baby on the train tracks, I'm going to go to the city, and I'm going to terrorize, basically. Thankfully, there was an old man who was simply known as Old Ted, who was near the train tracks, forging for food, and saved Melissa minutes before the train passed. Wow. Literally oh mere God. minutes. I was holding That's my breath on that one. Yeah. Um, and so Catherine was arrested and sent to St. Elmo's, but signed herself out of the hospital after only one day. Signed herself out? Signed herself out. So I don't know. I'm sure oh, people it was that are listening have been 5150 or like, you know, held for a psych hold. I have before. And in what world do you get to just sign yourself out? Like, uh, 24 hours has passed. I'm ready to go. Like right. she said, I'm good. Like, I only left a baby on the track so I could go into town and swing the axe. Like, like y'all tripping. It's not that serious. It's not that deep. I'm going to have fun too. What? Like, <laughs> I don't. I know what. This is, I mean. You no, know, it's back in the day, but it's not that far back in the day. Yeah. What, when, what year was this? This or is 1976. May oh, of yeah, that's not that far. Yeah, it's not that Yeah. I mean, our I, parents I were alive. Mine were. Yeah, yeah, yeah my, my parents were alive. Even my stepmom was alive, and she's 10 years younger than my dad. Um, that's, see, it's like when I listen to these stories and like all true crime stories, when you know something terrible is going to happen and you hear the back story, I always think like, okay, if somebody else had made a different decision at this moment, right. none of this would have happened. Exactly. And this is one of those moments. If yes. she wasn't able to get out of this hospital, I'm sure whatever right. terrible shit you're about to say wouldn't have been able to happen. Exactly. And I, again, want to name like, even in the sentencing at the trial, the psychiatrist made it, made it a point to say like, her having borderline personality disorder is not what caused her to commit these heinous acts. Like, mm-hmm. She had that in her, you know what I mean? I only mention that because I think that, I don't know, even just like for myself, I can see like where the the extreme like rages come from. I get extremely upset sometimes. And like in the past before I was like in therapy and doing things I need to do to regulate those things, I would do and say some terrible, obviously nothing like this, <laughs> but say and do some terrible things. I'm like, I see that. how you can get super, super angry and want to do something terrible. Like, yeah. I've thrown an ex's clothes on the lawn. Like, I've, you know, done some problematic things like that. Um, but I think it's important to know that, like, this is because Catherine was the type of person that she was. Right. And then some of these other things. The combination of all the factors is, like, how we know some other prominent serial killers, like, went through absolutely terrible things, had had traumas, mm-hmm. you know, were abused and all that. And, like, it's just interesting to speculate on how all those combined factors make them capable of doing these things. But it doesn't mean that if you do have this mental illness or condition right. that you are going to do these things. Exactly. Yeah. Because people with mental illnesses, again, are not more likely to be violent um, because of their mental illnesses anyway. Um, so a few days later... In an attempt to get to Queensland, where David lived with his new girlfriend, she coerced a neighbor to drive her there. <laughs> After threatening her with violence, um, at some point swinging around a knife to the point where the woman's cheek was cut. Oh my gosh. Right. Um, the woman was only able to escape after asking Catherine if they could stop for gas. And Catherine was like, sure, that makes sense. Like, yeah, we need gas. I need to stop in the bathroom anyway, whatever. The woman locked herself in, like, the office in the service station, and, like, Catherine 
apparently tried to literally beat the door down to get to the woman and then took a small boy hostage in the process, like held him at knife point. And the police were called, obviously, and they, it's a weird detail, disarmed her with brooms. <laughs> what? I, I'm like, I don't know if this is because she had a small boy hostage or if like that was the only thing available to them, but I was picturing them like running all around her and just like smacking her with broomsticks. Right. I don't know. But apparently it worked. Um, <laughs> they were able to disarm her and get, you know, the well, boy and get a broom safely next time. <laughs> with a broom. Um, she was then detained and sent to the Morissette Psychiatric Hospital. And while she was there, apparently she told the nurses with her whole chest that she also intended to kill the mechanic at the service station because he had repaired David's car, which had allowed him to leave her. <laughs> And so she was going to kill him. And then when she got to Queensland, she was going to kill David. And for some reason, David's mother, which I don't know what his mom did to her, but yeah. But, yeah, that's like a whole backstory that's missing there. Right. right. <laughs> but she was released on August 9th of 1976. Um, and David left his new girlfriend and moved in with his mom so that they could take care of Catherine together. And so she was released into the care of David and his mother. Aww. What? Oh, my ass. Right. I need her uh -oh. far the fuck away he from cares me. about her. Mm. He's, he's, he's a victim. He's terrified you a victim. and manipulated. Yeah. A lot of things. Um, they moved to Woodbridge where she was able to get another job at another meat factory um, at a plant in Ipswich, which was not far away from where they lived. And then they had another baby together on March 6th of 1980, which... Oh, these poor babies. Right. Um, I don't know why in God's name you would have another child with this woman, especially knowing the circumstances of, like, of the harm that... She's forcing him to have sex three times a day. Yeah. Minimum. Bare like, minimum. No wonder. I'm surprised they only had two. Yeah. So far. That's wild. That's far. Her name is Natasha Marie. That's cute. And it is a cute name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was in 1980 and four years later, for whatever reason, maybe she got bored. I don't know what was up. She decided that after all that, she's over David and left him. <laughs> she gave him the deuces and ran off. After busting this nigga head with a fucking frying pan, right. burning him on the cheek and beating his ass all the time. Like trying to kill him and his new girlfriend, Child. like literally okay. causing all kinds of chaos just to get him back. She decided Deranged. to leave him. Yep. So she moved back in with her parents. Um, went back to work in a meat plant. Eventually, she did enter her back. Um, she had to go on disability so she could no longer work at the meat plant, which I'm, I'm betting was hard for her. Um, yeah. Because that was what she loved to do. I her guess passion. it was probably an outlet. I'm hoping well. it gave her less energy to be out here hurting people or let me... Well, no. That, <laughs> unfortunately, that is not the case at all. Um, so in 86, so two years after she left David, she meets another David named David Saunders. Um, he's 38 at the time, and he works at a, as a miner. Um, mining what? I'm not sure. Just at a miner. Um, I'm sure it was just like coal or something. A few weeks after meeting, he moved in with Catherine and her two daughters, but still kept his own apartment in Scone. Um, she didn't like that he kept his own apartment, which, 
I kind of get it, but also it's not very. <laughs> but oh yeah, for her though, like, you gotta have another like, apartment. Like. In that situation, I'm glad he kept his own apartment. Me though, I'd be like, what you need another apartment for? But I mean, also space is nice. Like, yeah, I, I yeah, I can see yeah. both both sides. For people sure. break people break up too. You need your own space. Yeah, sometimes. no, no, no. I think it's definitely smart in this situation, regardless. But it's also <laughs> smart in general. But that's that's one of those things you have to have conversations about with your partner and like yeah. be on the same page in yeah. regards to. And clearly, they weren't. Um, because she would get super, super jealous and have these fits of rage and throw him out, throw all the shit out. And then he would go back, move back into his apartment, and then she would beg him to come back, and he would. So Dangerous cycle. Yeah, that's, that's not, not super, super healthy at all. Um, so living together, not living together, having separate spaces. This kind of behavior is unhealthy, period. In May of 1987, during one particularly angry moment of rage, Catherine, to... <laughs> this trigger warning for animal abuse and violence. She took his two-month-old dingo puppy, held it up in front of him, and slit the puppy's throat. (gasps) Stop. Mm -hmm. To demonstrate what she'd do to him if he ever cheated on her. Out of fucking Two-month-old puppy? Two-month-old puppy. And David was known as just, like, a guy who loved dogs. Like, she, like, wanted to really, really rock his shit, like, upset him. And she took it out on his dog because he loved his oh, dog. I just looked at what a dingo around. puppy looks like. They're cute. They're so cute. Oh, yeah. I really don't even know why I'm surprised. She sat her own child on the train tracks. I know. Right. And I, I was listening to another podcast that did the story. And their reaction was very similar. But I think it's just like a puppy. Like, mm-hmm. it's terrible what she did to her, her daughter and that she would put her in that kind of harm's way. But... I guess any small or helpless or defensive creature to hold it up and then just slit his throat just to prove a point, basically. Yeah. Like, That's what the fuck? Horrible. But that wasn't enough to prove her point because then she also took a frying pan and smacked him upside the head. What is up with her in these frying, frying pans? pans? Right. I guess it just makes it sense. It does the me. job? Yeah. It gets the job done? She no. knocked him unconscious. Oh my um, gosh. Yikes. But yeah. I mean, he stayed. And in 1988, they had their first kid together, a baby that they named Sarah. No. Yeah, they then bought a house together. Well, David put down the deposit, and then Catherine um, paid it off with her um, disability money. And she decorated the home on her own. She was an avid hunter, and she was particularly good at hunting and skinning rabbits. So she decorated the house, like, wall-to-wall. They said even the ceiling was covered with pelts, skulls, skins, horns, animal traps, leather jackets, boots, knives, machetes, rakes, picks, forge, like, just all of her, like... All of her favorite things, I guess. She was, like, obsessed with, like, dead things. That literally sounds like my own personal hell. I mean, it does sound super intense and scary and gross. And, like, you know, I'm down for a good, you know, cottage cabin aesthetic hunter vibe, like, for the weekend or something. I mean, I don't love it, but I get it, you know, when people, like, have, like, a deer on the wall. Like, I see it. I don't love it, but, Yeah. yeah. It's, at least it's a thing. thing. Yeah. It's a yeah. thing. Like yeah. the bearskin rug. Yeah. Like, that's a thing with those cabin but houses. This, why is it on the ceiling, girl? Why the ceiling? Who decorates their ceiling? With skulls. With, with anything. Like, what do you... People put vines and people put little glow-in-the-dark stars on their ceiling. Like, <laughs> I have those How did you even nail that shit to the ceiling? Also, like, I just imagine that the air in there has to be so thick. Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's most pictured, like, 
They rank and that can't yeah. be safe. Well, she don't care about the safety, but that can't be safe for children. Yeah, machetes on the wall. <laughs> At any moment, they could fall down. No, that uh, those kids yeah. have to be so intense. Oh um, no. So, in another instance of violence, Catherine hit Saunders and then stabbed him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. Um, apparently this was enough for him to be like, yeah, nah, I gotta go. So he moved back to Stone. Good for you. And then when he went back to their shared home to get his clothes, of course, Catherine had cut them all to pieces. So, um, fearing that the violence would continue to escalate and that his life might be in danger, he took a leave from work and went into hiding. Smart. Yeah. It is smart, but remember, they do have a kid together. Oh, I forgot. So, yeah, when he comes back to try to see his child... He finds that Catherine has filed for a protection order against him. So there it's called an apprehended violence order. Um, And she claimed that she was afraid of him and afraid that he might be violent towards her. So she needed a protection order against him. She used her womanhood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Once again. Yeah. I hate that. Can he just like show that he was stabbed in the stomach? Like, but then she'll probably be like, oh, that was in self defense or something. Yeah. And like, I hate to say it, but, like, who's going to believe him? Yeah. Yeah. That's so sad. But I will say, like, she had this reputation in their town for being, like, incredibly violent. So mm-hmm. I just don't understand how, up to this point, what do we have? We have two abused and battered men, an instance where she tried to kill her own child, mm-hmm. and then she went to town swinging around an axe, went to a service station, told the nurses after the fact that she was going to kill the mechanic, like... Yeah. What does it take for them to get this lady some help? Like yeah. some real help, you know? Like a smooth search would yeah. definitely let you know that like she needs help. Right. And, and this is probably... in the eighties, so they got the Googles or something. They they can pull up records. Yeah, they yeah. Um so after that she meets a man in nineteen ninety named John Schillingworth. And there's not a whole lot about their relationship together. I'm sure it had its ups and downs just like all of her other relationships. She got pregnant by him, and he was a former co-worker, and they had a son named Eric. And they were together for three years. So she has two daughters from the first David, her daughter Sarah from the second David, and now her son from John. Okay. Yeah, so four total. Um, and then things just only escalate from here. So she meets this man named John Price, who's affectionately called Pricey by people who know him. Um, He was said to be, and I quote, a terrific bloke. (laughs) Uh, Everybody said that he was like, just a super likable, fun, sweet guy. Um, He already had three children before he met Catherine um, and started dating her. So the situation was he was married and he continued to be married even when dating Catherine, but they, I guess, either had irreconcilable differences or something was going on where they decided to be separated. Okay. Um, but it's believed that John was still very much in love with his wife and his wife very much thought highly of him because she insisted that he keep the family home even after they separated. Oh. Right. So, that I mean, it had to have just been a situation where, like, they grew apart or she, like, mm-hmm. needed some space or some time or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, unfortunately, during their separation, he met Catherine. Um, so... His two-year-old stayed with his wife, and the other two children lived with him. So he had the three total. Um, supposedly, Price was aware of Kyle, Ka- wow, Catherine's violent history, but allowed her to move into his house anyway. So I don't know if he was really nice or just like 
super enamored or what the case was. He but thought he would change her. I wonder Maybe. what she looks like. Like, is she Well, she wasn't described as super hot, but I will say that people said she was really good in bed and had a super high sex drive. So I guess between that and once they got in it, she wouldn't let them leave. That yeah. that was enough. Um, Not the milkshake. <laughs> all the boys. <laughs> or at least the ones she was interested in. Um, his children liked her at first and there's a quote that said life initially was like a bunch of roses. So apparently it was smooth sailing at first. Um, in 1998, they had a huge fight because Price refused to marry her and refused to file a formal divorce from his wife. Um, I heard on another podcast that she then took money from him and bought her own engagement ring. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, mood, but also like, relax like that's yeah no she's on 10 like her whole life her whole life on 10 like please um to get back at him though she recorded quote-unquote stolen items from his job and sent it to the job and these stolen items were literally out-of-date medical kits that no one was going to use anyway but i guess because it was like directly against their policy he got fired and he had been there for 17 years so he stole them and she recorded him and she yep she snitched on him, got him fired, and he lost his pension. Oh. And, yeah, I mean, that's almost two decades that he had been there. Damn. So I really want to know why they wouldn't just make an exception or, like, talk to him or give him a warning or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, especially so, since nobody was going to use them anymore. They expired. Right? Yeah, they were expired. But I don't know. I guess it was just the violation. Um, he kicked her out that same day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but a few months later, he got back with her. Oh, my God. But he wouldn't let her move back in the house, which I'm sure she took super well to that. Um, their fights and their arguments got so violent and continued to escalate to the point where some of his homies would not engage with him if he was going to continue to engage with her. Oh, really? So, you know it's bad when your friends got to put up a boundary. Like, this is yeah, actually we super toxic, and I can't be around it, and I can't watch you be around it. So, I got to go. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, this is when we get to the really intense shit. Okay. And, right, this, is, this, that, is, this is the intense shit. We haven't even done the intense shit. Oh, my yet. God. In February of 2000, the violence escalated yet again. Um, she stabbed him in the chest. It doesn't say with what. I'm assuming probably a pair of scissors again because, I mean, he doesn't die. Um, but did you die? No, not yet. Um, so he kicked her out yet again. I don't even know how she finessed her way back in the house because he said he wasn't going to let her move back in, but somehow she was there. On February 29th, he took out a restraining order to protect himself and his children. He even said to his coworkers that if he didn't make it to work or something happened to him, that Catherine had done it. So, like, they were like, whoa, like, don't go home. Like, we're worried about you. This is really, really, like, escalating. And he said that if he didn't go home, he was afraid that Catherine would do harm to his kids, which I, I feel that. Yeah, yeah, it is real. It's a rock and a hard place. You got to scoop them kids up and flee, though. Like, Yeah. Yeah. It's the only choice at this I'm point. I'm sure his um wife would take him back. Yeah. Or not take or him take back, but, kids. yeah, to, to at least take the them. kids. Yeah. So he got home that evening and the house was empty. Catherine had apparently sent the kids away to a sleepover and her herself, she wasn't at the house. Um, He spent the evening hanging out with his neighbors, who apparently must have also been friends. They must have a relationship with one another. And then he turned in at around 11 11 p.m. So a normal day for um, Price was to wake up 
early in the morning, head to work. You know, he was pretty consistent and prompt. Um, so the next morning when the neighbors still saw Price's car in the driveway, she was concerned. Um, so rewind back to the night before. Earlier that day, Catherine went out, bought herself some nice lingerie. Um, apparently she made some strange recordings with her children, making comments that were later said to be crude. They were strange enough for the people that saw them to be like, is everything good? Like, should, should we do a check-in? Are mm -hmm. you okay? Um, but apparently they didn't check in quickly enough because she came home, Price was asleep, and she watched some TV, took a shower, woke him up for sex, and then he went back to sleep. So fast forward to the next day, the neighbor's like, the car's still in the driveway, something's off. And then when he didn't show up to work, his employer was like, well, this is completely unlike him, so I'm going to send someone to the house to check on him. When they did, the neighbor and the co-worker knocked on the back room window, like where he knew his bedroom was, and there was no answer. And then when they walked around to the front, they saw that there was blood on the front door, so they called the police. Police got there at 8 a.m. They broke down the back door, and they found Catherine completely unconscious, apparently due to taking a bunch of sleeping pills. Um, so this is when it gets really strange. They see inside the house, hung on a meat hook over a door, this, like, a meat suit, like the skinned skin of a human being. Whoa. Yep. What the fuck? So. Oh, no. Yeah, they said it looked like a suit. Like, it was the entire skin, including the face, ears, scalp, and neck. Oh my fucking god! Now remember, she's got all kinds of nice skills. Oh yeah, she's, she's worked a hunter. In a slaughterhouse yeah. her entire life. She hunts and skins animals. She's oh, that's so gross. Yep, it's, it's like deeper creepers. creepers. Yeah, it's, it's really disturbing. It's making my skin crawl. Mm -hmm. Yikes! So, apparently, due to blood evidence, they were able to determine that he woke up to being stabbed, and attempted to run away from her got to the front door, made it out of the front door, and either fell backwards back into the house or was drugged back inside by Catherine to the hallway where she let him bleed out. Right. The autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed 37 times. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. Hours after he bled out, she then took to skinning him, hung that skin from the meat hook. <sighs> Meat hook. And then thought what? Like, bitch, and then thought what? And then ate breakfast? Like, what the fuck? It gets it gets better. Meat she hook. She left a small square inch skin of skin on the body, and it was the part of his body where she had stabbed him. It was where the scar was from where she had stabbed him previously. Mm. And that wasn't sadistic enough. She then decapitated him. She cut off his head and cooked various <gasps> parts of his body. Ah! No, no, yes. no. I was thinking about eating after this. I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah, no. no. I'm glad I ate before. <laughs> um, she also prepared baked potato, pumpkin, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy, and set the table. I like all of those, except, <laughs> except right. for pumpkin. I don't yeah, think I'm going to be able to eat that. We didn't really pumpkin, though. We just went yeah. over here. Yeah. Baby. Oh um, no! At the table settings, she put notes with the children's names, oh, his children's terrible. names, and had completely fully intended to feed the kids their dad. Shut up! There was a third oh, note found discarded in the backyard, and it's 
believe that Catherine had possibly attempted to eat the meal herself, but couldn't stomach it, so she tossed it out. His head was found, Price that is, John Price's head was found in a pot with vegetables that was still warm once the authorities arrived. Oh so they believe that, like, she, like, did all of this in this one night. Well, she had to have. That was the only time that she oh could have. Oh, my God. Yes. So she stabbed him, skinned him, cut his head off, cooked this huge meal all within several hours, and then took a shit ton of pills to maybe possibly try to kill herself. I don't know. She also had arranged what was left of his body with his left arm draped over a soda bottle and his legs crossed. She put a note on top of him, written on a photo of him. And the so the spelling of the original note is really bad. I'm going to read it the way it's supposed to, like, what, her intent, what she intended to write. She put, time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You to Beck, that's Price's daughter, for Ross. For little John, that's right, Price's son. Now play with little John's dick, John Price. So she was alleging that he had been, I guess, abusing the children, but it was all proven to be completely false. So I don't know if this was some weird attempt at like trying to like justify it. Yeah, or something, but I'm sorry. Yes. If someone raped my children, I would 100% probably want to murder them i don't know if i would skin them alive and then cook yeah. them and try to feed I, them to I, them. I I would yeah. not be able to do that like yeah. what that's a whole nother level yes that's also sometime during this this night where she's not only killing but skinning and cooking him she went to the city and got a thousand dollars out of the atm out of his account for what reason who knows she was pretty busy that night um she initially offered to plead guilty to manslaughter, but that was rejected by the court. And then she had a hearing on February two thousand in February of two thousand and one for the murder. She pled not guilty. Are you fucking <laughs> okay. Like you really tried it, sis. She was say she's your twin, like right, <laughs> girl. Come on. When the trial commenced, Justice O'Keefe gave the potential jury pool uh, the opportunity to step down just to the gruesome nature of the evidence and photos. And five decided to take advantage of that offer, and they did bounce. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, the crime scene was said to be so gruesome and unnerving that the first responders on the scene, some some of them need therapy, and some of them quit right then and there on the spot. Me. Which would probably be me. Yeah. yeah. Y'all got to be shit. Yeah. Well, when I, when I saw that there was blood on the door, I'd be like, hmm, I'm going home. <laughs> right. I can't enough of but also, I can't even clean up shit in uh, the bathroom at Panera. You think I'm about to do this shit? Right. Oh, I mean, when no. I walked inside the house... Because they said it took them a minute to register that the the meat scoop suit, the skin, was like a human yeah. skin. In that moment, when I tell you, I would have just walked out. Yeah. Like I have to go. Like I am a that. Like I'm tearing up thinking about it because that shit would be so fucking disgusting and so fucking stressful yes. and so sad. Like just. That is depraved. Like, yeah. I would literally Burn the house it. down. Yeah. Just take your pictures or whatever go. you need for yeah. your evidence. Yeah. Just thinking down. about it, I know I'm going to have a nightmare about it tonight. So I can't even imagine seeing that with your own eyes. And then you probably can never get that out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I'm watching like Adventures of Gumball tonight or something. Yeah. I want mean, to watch Steven yeah, Universe. Yeah, yeah. That's a good look. Something. I need a palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so... Um, when the witness list was read out loud, apparently several more jurors decided to drop out. Um, not super sure why. But then Catherine decided to change her plea to guilty, and the jury was dismissed altogether. 
Justice O'Keefe, um, you know, wanted to play things by the book, make sure that this guilty well, guilty plea that she was entering into would hold up. So he ordered a psych assessment to determine if she could truly enter this plea, like knowingly of sound mind and like understanding the consequences of it. Her legal team had planned to build the defense that Catherine um, suffered amnesia and dissociation. And that's how she was able to commit this really disgusting, fucked up crime. Um, the claim was supported by the psychiatrist, but they did consider her to be sane enough to like stand trial and enter the guilty plea. Um, but even though she pled guilty, she still refused to accept the responsibility for her actions. She went so far as to ask her lawyers to ask the court if she could be excused while they discussed the details of the case. No. You did the details you of the case. You did every the details Like, at the very the least, post. accountability looks like being confronted with what the fuck you did. That's so interesting, though, because I've heard least. about cases where the people who commit the crimes like hearing yeah. all of the details. Yeah. So it's interesting. It is interesting. Um, and, I mean, they said they agreed that she dissociated. There was just so much intention it felt seems to me that was put into it. Right. But she became completely hysterical when they started t telling her what she had done. Really? To the point where no. she needed to be sedated. Yeah. Was she hysterical about what she did or was she hysterical about what could potentially happen to her? Right. That's a good question. But they said, because she had already entered into a guilty plea, so she sure. knew what was going to happen to her, mm -hmm. I'm assuming, you know. Um, but when they started talking about specifically the, the skinning and the decapitation, she, like, lost it hmm. um and had to be removed so was she like in a she could she have been like a different state of mind and then like she came down kind of like how i mean people it's very around. possible people i mean even people with the soundest of minds like see red you know quote unquote mm -hmm. when they get mad enough and you know like i've been in fights or situations where i've gotten so angry that once i came down from that anger i couldn't com completely recall all the details of the incident so like I just, I can't imagine. I just don't understand what state allows you to be in a place where you can take, what, eight hours to skin your partner. No, like, that takes a lot of, like, knowledge and skill and right. to make a whole meal with side dishes. Right. And, and to whatnot. leave that one inch square of skin where the stab wound was that she caused. Like, that feels so malicious. Yeah. And thought out. And you set, set the, the table, table for the, the fucking kids. Oh, that's right. so horrible. I forgot about that. That's, that's the... Like, right? Like... And then wrote a note. And then wrote a note. Yeah. Girl. So, on November 8th, Justice O'Keefe pointed out the nature of the crime and her lack of remorse required a severe penalty, which I don't disagree with at all. Um, he said, quote, last minutes of John Price's life must have been a time of abject terror for him as they were a time of utter enjoyment for her. She has not expressed any contrition or remorse, and if released, she poses a serious threat to the security of society. So she was sentenced to life imprisonment refused to fix a non-parole period in order that she be marked never to be released. That's the first time any woman in Australia has ever received such a harsh sentence. Wow. And they had the nerve to appeal it. Uh, in 2006. Okay. No, for real. I'm tired. Second thought. It was a hologram. Right. But the appeal was dismissed because, oh, yeah. wow, what a crime. The nerve. And like, you know, I try to maintain my status as a student of abolition and want to think outside of carceral justice 
And I think because, you know, those instances where people are like, where do you put the rapists and the murderers and stuff right. like that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but it's like going back to what allowed this to happen in the first place. And she was failed over and yeah. over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again right. by the system because there yeah. were so many opportunities to get this woman some help before mm-hmm. it got to this point. Mm-hmm. So 100%. I try to remind myself that while I sit here and also celebrate the fact that she's still in prison and will die there. Well, it's it, it would be ridiculous for us not to think that if for some reason she didn't go somewhere right that she would just continue doing this right. i mean she did it to however many different men mm-hmm. all of her children were just lucky that they didn't die right so something needed to happen yeah and for her it's being in prison her whole life mm-hmm. i think you could i think you can still fuck with the idea of abolition and still support the isolation of people who are hell-bent on doing people harm yeah and especially because, like you said, like she was felt over and over and over and over again from like childhood. Yeah. So part of abolition would be to step in when people go through adversity in childhood and check in with them constantly to see how it's affecting them mm-hmm. rather than just being like, oh, mental health is a hoax or whatever the fuck. Yeah. I also very much got the vibe there, but I was like, oh, that's just Catherine. It's like, no, somebody help her. Right. Like, she's known in town for being violent. Okay, what is anybody doing about it? Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. But apparently, in prison, she hasn't had any any incidences <laughs> of violence. Are you serious? Yes. I'm like... Th- that's what fucks me up. Because I'm like, I know you needed help. I know you were failed by the system. But you're also aware enough to know when to, like... Chill out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And she's in a women's prison, too. So she can't just, like, use her sexual prowess. Mm-hmm. Yeah as a like a way to like get them to lure them in and shit like that they probably not falling for that charming shit they'd be like bitch that's why we're here too like, well apparently <laughs> she's like the nana of the prison she really like, takes other girls under her wing and like not red like that is the the time wow. of like her her prison stay she does not seem like the motherly caring type of person right but maybe she, she just performs what she thinks she needs to do to survive. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably what she does. Because it's like said that people respect her there, and she doesn't have to use violence to get that respect, which I found really interesting. Because mm-hmm. I would have thought that she wouldn't been knocking heads, and that's right. how she got her respect. She got right. her respect just by like being on the up and up, and like talking to people and guiding them. Right. And also, it was super gendered too. She, cause she was she ever really violent toward girls or women? Just her daughters, just, yeah, just, just her, her daughters, children. Yeah. And it wasn't like, and with her daughters, I mean, it was super fucked up. But I'm like, was it physical or was it like neglect? Cause like with the daughter, like she left her on the train track. She didn't. But did she like punch or kick or do anything physical to the girls? I don't know. Um, I mean, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if she did. She was yeah. beating on her husband. Yeah. And I just think that's really interesting that like all of uh, all of the people that she was violent towards, like three men in a row, was like, "Yeah, I'm a, like I'm I'm a fuck you up." But then like as soon as she gets around women, it's like, okay, right, that's fine. So, that is interesting. I mean, there was being... the woman that she cut on the cheek after oh, forcing yeah. her to drop her mm-hmm. to, and she was gonna kill David's mom and David's yeah. girlfriend. Okay, okay. that's well, very true. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> it was just anyone who went her way, but like yeah. those who were closest to her were harmed the most, and those yeah. were her partners, which were men. Yeah, 
But it doesn't That's explain so why she went to prison and was like, well, I'm good now. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, That's Catherine, so girl. Yeah, Catherine, um, you got to chill out, babe. Well, I guess she did chill out, but um, skinning people is just a step too far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just don't, I don't understand. Is she still in jail? Mm-hmm. Do you know how around, like, how old she is? Let's look it up. Let's see. She was born in 19... 19- 55 so oh. she's like 70 in her 70s yeah. did i do my math right i think so i, I can't remember math. it so i was like I can't late math. 60s the math don't never math for me <laughs> so 2021 late, late 60s 66 maybe 65 oh she's still young 65 okay that's so how she got some time that's not yeah that's not really that old like, it's not <laughs> By any means. So she is. I mean, y'all, I'm going to show y'all a picture. Please. And we'll put it on Instagram too so y'all can see. I just can't see myself taking oh, this many L's. Fuck no. <laughs> I'm not even trying to be ugly, but dead ass. Like, no, no, girl. Uh-uh. No. no. It's, it's a, a no, no for me. It's a no. It's a hell fucking no. Did you look her when she was younger? Like. Oh, yeah. still on. Still ain't adding up for me. Maybe like an Australian ten is like a a US four. Our Australian listeners just clear. That's okay. We just love this. This is the end of the episode anyway. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That was what the fuck is going on. Story of Catherine Knight. I'm gonna. Well, thank you, Carmen. Myself. You're welcome. That was a wild. Thank you for enduring that. Yes. As our lead investigator, I was so excited to get y'all's reaction though, because as I was reading the story, I was like, "What the fuck?" That was horrifying. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, until next week, check us out on all our socials um, on Instagram at Iannakilla Podcast. Facebook is the same. Twitter is at I Ain't a Killer Pod. We're also on TikTok. We are on I Ain't a Killer Podcast. Yeah. So we're we're gonna try to post on there. I need one of the youngins to help me figure out how to run that. Thing. Yeah, we need so a little help. Do it. <laughs> we're millennials. Yeah, we're millennials don't know how to do the top. We're not the geriatric millennials. <laughs> yeah, no, we're the young ones. We're the, we're the, we're the middle, middle. Right, we're still I'm, not, like, I'm not regular. Even though I do like my side part, y'all not gonna. Y'all not <laughs> yeah, y'all not gonna. Y'all not gonna come for us. Oh, uh, skinny jeans. Skinny jeans. Oh no, bitch. I need to start buying like jeans. Yeah, I kind of like. The I went out jeans. immediately after hearing that. I got like thank you, Chris. We don't use LOL in text messaging anymore. Oh no! Oh, see, you got what you got to. You got to. I say LOL out loud. Oh, yeah, like, I mean, oh, okay. it's so much stuff. This is a whole different podcast. But if yeah, we can figure out the TikTok stuff, we might eventually get to doing some mini stories on there. So we'll yeah. let y'all know if that, anybody if that wants to help us with that. Please feel free to reach out. Yes, we need all the help. Okay, y'all. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.